That's our new opening sound effect. That's that's Baby Yoda's cheeks flapping in the wind. <laughs> Maybe that was the. I think that of Baby Yoda in IG Eleven, like racing to save Mando, is uh, <clears throat> that that GIF is how I feel in 2020. <laughs> We're smiling as we're going into ultimate destruction, but I'm going, wee! <laughs> that, is my, that is my decision. Oh, but they made it. They did. Mm, not all of them. Well, some, some mm, don't make it. Yeah, I know. The, the, um, I've forgotten his name. I mean, we're going to lose a continent in about a day. You know that. It's funny, though, because uh, the oh, I have spoken. What's his name? Um, Nick Nolte. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's true. Um, but that character race was all over uh, Rebels, and and and, oh, and I just I never put them together in until I mean they're always like oh it's it's another another race I ne- never realized that what all all one character not one character all one race type in that until we had Nick Nolte doing the most elegant. <laughs> personification of them because they're all kind of they're almost um slapsticky in Mm -hmm. in the rebels not really but you know they're they're well they're they're the little people they're slapsticky in are they an empire i think they're an empire um there's there's at least one in empire and i want to and i say ugnaughts must have because i get confused when he tweeted out the gamorian guard Mm -hmm. i know those were in Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. but I can remember if Ugnaughts were or not. I haven't watched any of them in so long yeah. that you know. I, I so I need new stuff, but I you know. I'm enjoying the hell out of Rebels. I I, I didn't want to watch it until I was done with uh, Clone Wars, and I'm glad I didn't because there are a lot of callbacks to stuff that came up in Col- Clone Wars. Well, I mean, the great thing about watching it all on Disney Plus is you finish The Mandalorian, and it says, and they've learned that lesson. Would you like to watch Clone Wars? Mm-hmm. Would you like to have a little Clone Wars, kid? Oh, you don't have to do anything. We'll just start it for you. Yes. <laughs> it will. Yes. 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 Hey, well, this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief <laughs> of FanboyPlanet.com. Did I sound like the Empire? Yeah, the Emperor. Yes. Yeah, watch close. more. That's, that's how watch Clone Wars. Things. I've been watching. Well, <laughs> he should. He should. Give in to the dark side and a little Earl Grey. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, uh, this is the Fanboy Planet podcast, and of course, across from me, we're actually in the same room. We are in the same city under a light, <clears throat> and uh, yeah. That's anyway, the sky is still blue yeah, outside. You know, yeah, it's been a, it's been a clear week, and anyway, uh, producing this. Rick Brett Snyder. Very good. And so we got some comics news, some movie news, and some TV news. And it's been a while. And this is the first podcast of 2020. I, I, Tim, I bum, had, bum, 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 uh, yeah, I bum, had a bum, moment bum, bum, of, bum, bum, of, of bum, should I try a Barbara Walters impersonation? Oh, uh, please. <laughs> this is 2020. Oh, I, did you I, see where they, they cut like her saying that like, 16 times in a row from different shows. No, but I strangely focused on Sherry O'Terry doing it on CNN and uh, Anderson Cooper actually losing it. I'm like, it, it really shouldn't be a surprise <laughs> that it really wasn't. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, a friend of mine posted, like, you've had all year networks to plan. It's not like New Year's Eve comes a surprise <laughs> each year Oops. and this is the best you can do. And I'm thinking, yeah, could we watch Netflix? Couldn't we do something? Else? I want to make, before I get into the ad space, I'm going to make the strangest, and it's a totally Derek McCaw Christmas movie recommendation. I know it's January now, okay. but it's probably still on sure. uh, on Netflix. Found this movie called Holly Star, and the total, and the only reason that I recommend it to people, it was, it was you know, competent, like one cut above a Hallmark holiday story except for one magnificent magnificent difference it's about a puppeteer who goes back to her hometown and it begins with her shooting a commercial and they say like can you make the the uh puppets a little more uh lively and she says they're bunraku so all of her flashbacks in the movie are done with Bunraku puppets. And the fact that they took them No, but that's what I loved was that they actually took the time. Bunraku is is our puppets that are I'm thinking that the Muppets are like one step evolved. They're connected to Bunraku. Uh Uh, It's a Japanese form of puppetry. They are often life-sized puppets and they're controlled by rods and the puppeteers usually wear black so the audience just agrees not to see them. And I just loved that the that and it becomes only like a minor thing, but it makes the movie quirky that they do all these scenes in Bunraku puppetry and explain it to the audience in the first in the first scene. Actually, I think some of the puppet master um, dolls are Bunraku. They're I suspect rods. that they are. Yeah. I suspect that they are, but we don't say those are just VFX. And then of course there's uh, it's Avenue not, Q. It's not like anywhere in no 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 because Avenue Q isn't full body. I it's. Avenue Q is full body for the for a number of the puppets. Anatomically correct full body. Well, I think you got closer than I did. Okay, but uh, no, no, it's uh, I mean because they were making fun of Sesame the Street. The people who are animating don't. Well, and that's what and that's what I'm saying. Black, but, but, but they use but they use rods like the Muppets do, and that's why right. I think Muppets are close. Right. But I think they consider that a different form because I've read many articles on Jim Henson, and not one that I've ever read has said. Bunraku. I don't like saying it. <laughs> so anyway, hey, if you're if you're still with us, thanks. <laughs> and of so course, so now you know. It, da, 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 da. Anyway, we are here in January, and of course, if there's anything we talk about on today's podcast that uh, you would like to own for your very own, we talk about books, we talk about comics, so forth, and probably videos and DVDs. Remember physical media, kids? Oh yeah, it's 2020. I don't know if anybody's still into that. 
physical media thing. Un- unless it's polyvinyl acetate. I don't know if we're going to talk about anything that's there. But anyway, if we do, you can, of course, uh, find it. And if you cannot find it at your local brick-and-mortar store, we often have Amazon links on the page for the for the podcast. We also have an Amazon search box to the right of the page of the Amazon podcast of the of the podcast that was phrased poorly but you get the you get the gist it's over there on the right and the point is we are affiliated with amazon which means that any purchase you make and i i do have to say it this way any purchase you make through an amazon link potentially gives us revenue because sometimes they're going like through third-party vendors and yeah. apparently yeah. that that doesn't kick back and that's fine uh you know I, I want you as a listener to have the things you want to have so anyway uh but if you do that that we potentially get some revenue and of course if you'd like to just help support fanboy planet in the cost of doing a podcast of hosting the blog and so forth you can go to paypal and donate at editor at fanboyplanet.com and even more importantly, if you'd like to join the conversation, if you've got questions, comments, comment, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com on email. That part's priceless. And in fact, there is going to be a section later. I have a topic in which I, I will invite this conversation and recommendation, so please. But you can join the conversation on, on Facebook as well. That page is Fanboy Planet. You can join the conversation by following us on Twitter at Fanboy Planet. You can follow us also on Instagram at Fanboy Planet. I just had a conversation last weekend. Trying, trying to explain, um, like, because there were some young people over at my house and uh, and old people, so family, friends visiting, and, and the grandchildren were saying, we don't do Facebook anymore. And the father, grandfather said, well, what do you do? I've got, Facebook. I've got Facebook. And I said, yes, you and I communicate that way. The kids are all on Insta. And I said, I don't get it either. But, you know, that's it. I said, Insta and Instagram? Yeah, okay. it's a verb. It's been verbified. It's been verbified. You insta. Insta me? You insta me, yes. Don't. Anyway, occasionally I, I do insta you by tagging you with your with the usage of the beautiful podcast illustrations, The which, again, I, I should shout out to Gaz. Follow him at Gazbot. Uh, <clears throat> these fantastic caricatures of Rick and myself. And anyway... I've lost the thread. So let's go to comics, shall we? <laughs> and and say, we ramble a lot. I want to say on January 1st, so an old friend of the podcast, Mike Wellman, opened up a new comic shop in Long hmm. Beach. And I I think Long Beach had had a comic shop for a while, but I don't think they have one. They had one in the last year. Uh, but they do have a convention, Long Beach Comic Expo, oh. that's twice a year. And it's a great it's a great show. And so Mike Wellman, who used to be uh, with the comic bug in Manhattan Beach in Culver City, has now branched out, well, gone off and, and opened a new shop called Atomic Basement. And it's not just a comic shop. It's a basement. This is in the title, Atomic Basement Comic Shop and Creator Lab. And so what it is, is not only is he doing a a vidcast, um, drinking with comics, I think is what it's called, uh, and where a creator will come and they'll talk and they'll slowly get drunk, I guess. But they're also basically doing labs where you can come and you can, it's like having a writer's group and you're putting your comics together, Uh. you're drawing and sharing and giving each other tips, critiques. And then once a year, so they're committed to... He uh, had Atomic Basement Comics had been his imprint, and they were doing Guns Ablazing. That when I say they, right. Mike and Rafael Navarro, so they're committing to 
one person who comes, they will they will publish one book outside of their own a year where the creator will keep the will keep the rights and so forth, but select out of this based on their experience out of this creator here. lab. Yeah. Cool. So it's pretty cool. It's at four hundred East Third Street in Long Beach. I unfortunately well, I mean other reasons, family obligations during the holidays, been up here in, here in San Jose, but I cannot wait to get down there. And he uh, at the Los Angeles Comic Con, uh, the Comic Bug had was running the comics professional. What do you call it? Uh, pavilion in the midst of all the celebrity stuff. And so uh, the Atomic Basement is doing the same thing at the Long Beach Expo, which will be next weekend, I think. The first of, of the ones that will be officially Atomic Basement running an ex, a pavilion within the convention where you know it, the, that it's comics creators all together, well-signed, well-signed, you know, signage leading you to where it is. Because I haven't been to the Long Beach Con in, like, I think seven or eight years. It was a nice show. It was smaller. Uh-huh. I have a feeling, like all conventions that have been around for a while, it's gotten a lot bigger. You know, quite possibly. But quite possibly. So, anyway, I just want to call that out, and you can go to AtomicBasementComics.com and find out more information and their hours and what else is going on. But I want to give a shout-out to Mike because we've talked about he's He's been on the podcast three or four times. He's been mm-hmm. a, a good friend for years and years and years. And I spend every Comic-Con. Comic-Con does not begin until I go to their booth, which actually at one point I had shared that booth. It was the same, they're yeah. in the spot where uh, – where we ran the Greatest American Hero booth at Comic-Con. It doesn't begin until I have purchased whatever they've got new. And the snappiest dresser on the floor. Oh, Rafael Navarro. Nobody dresses better than Rafael Navarro in comics. Nobody. Nobody. All right. So, anyway, I wanted to throw out there. One thing we missed over the last month or so where where we did one end-of-year podcast, Superman revealed his secret identity. Mark Miller, comics creator... Mark Miller, who created Civil War, in which Spider-Man revealed his secret identity to the world, criticized that (laughs) you need to have secret identities in comics. So even though the story about Clark, about Superman revealing, you had the issue there. Well, like what is Superman number 18 18 in Brian Michael Bendis' December 18th, I think. It very well could have. Yeah. I just know I bought it. I know I read it. I enjoyed it. And I thought it was a very logical reason for him. And, and it didn't just come out of nowhere. He was building up this thing. It was like, was he keeping too many secrets from people? I really loved Perry White's reaction. I thought that was that was awesome. Yeah. He's, he's, he's totally a, uh, a newspaper man. <laughs> yeah. But... You know, but but I was thinking about it, and 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 not in terms of the of the criticism, but I went like in the Marvel universe, it's true. Like I've said, you know, with the upcoming, because you know, it, it blends as I, I, I say um, with the uh, with the upcoming Eternals film that I thought, well, they don't really have secret identities. They, but if the Eternal Eternals film is done right, they can get an audience that just like science fiction. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be necessarily feel super tied into the Marvel cinema. I mean, it will be, obviously. But, you know, it's – do secret identities have a purpose in today's Well, the the, the argument is always I have a secret identity to protect the people I love. Mm-hmm. Arguably, anybody who's going after Superman knows that they could go after Lois, Jimmy Olsen – 
any number of his in close fact, friends. They do. Yes. <laughs> anyway. So the 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 thing about a secret identity for like Superman doesn't arguably have to buy things at the at the grocery store. But if you're if you're a, a if you're just like a, a vigilante by night uh, and you're not a multimillionaire or billionaire if you're not that, why are you being a vigilante by well, night? That's what you, I want. You know. need you need you need to have some way of making money to be able to get your food, and so for some it makes sense. You know, you're not going to say, "Well, I'm I'm uh, I'm kickass," and I'm you know, like, I just walked into the store, and like they're not going to want to have you in the store. Take that, Mark Miller. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So. Um, um, yeah. I, I, the. Uh, the funny thing about Superman is he's gone through so much this this past year. I mean, ever since somebody took over his his story. I mean, we came out of the story about his father showing up, and then you know his son went off into space with his father and aged multiple years. And now he's off with the Legion of Superheroes, and he's like, "Which I'm enjoying." Yeah, I oh, know that's a great book. Um, but he's got a lot of changes going on in his his life that he maybe just kind of like. You can kind of see, you know, I just want to simplify. I just I want to get. Well, yeah, and I and I and I think it's like every now and then it shows up on Facebook and Twitter. Somebody finds that clip of Christopher Reeve taking his glasses. Like Lois, I have something I want to tell you. I I and then he puts the glasses back on and she walks out. And he says, "I was really nervous at first about this," and and they say it gets retweeted and saying, "This is the clip that convinced me that." He, he people could, would be he could fool the glasses people. were a disguise but i've also long thought and i i don't remember this did not thought did not originate with me was that i just don't remember who said it that why would it occur to anybody that superman would have a secret identity and that's come up many which years. i love i mean it's mentioned on crisis on infinite earth lex luther being so arrogant as to refuse to accept right that except it's like Rent, Lex, look at the dental records. Your Superman is Tyler Hecklin. He's got wolf teeth. <laughs> I love Tyler Hecklin in the role, but he's got wolf teeth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so it's just. It, Dentures it, as, as a disguise. Maybe. Get him yeah. capped. You know, I yeah. no, I don't. I That's fine. He's, yeah. a, he's a handsome man. He does a great job as Superman. But he's got wolf teeth. So anyway, you know, it's like, and so does Clark Kent. For God's sake, Lex, look, right, look, right. you arrogant. <laughs> you know. But anyway, so I, I thought it was handled really well in the comic. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, I look forward. It, it, it's interesting. And I start thinking, well, you know, again, so the question is, we say that as a, as a trope. Like, it works for a character. Like, you go back in time and you say, Zorro, Don Diego de la Vega. That was, that was great. I just recently read, by the way, and I'd love to see it adapted, uh, Quentin Tarantino wrote or, or co- collaborated on the Django Unchained Zorro crossover from Dynamite in right. D.C. And it was, and they said they were pulling, oh, I think Matt Wagner worked on it as well. And Matt Wagner had had this idea that, you know, at some point the reality is that the real person is the foppish Diego de la Don Diego de la Vega, uh-huh. who then how does that bleed into being Zorro? And because I, I hadn't read that much of Dynamite Zorro stuff, but it, you know, there's a dual identity thing where, right? It also works because how many people were seeing 
an actual photograph of any of these people. You have sketches. Right, you have, right, right. You have posters. So that makes sense in the 19th century. In the 20th century, yeah, you can see Batman, Bruce Wayne. But at some point, you know, this has been brought up many times is, and I think Bat- Grant Morrison tried to cover with Batman Incorporated, that, like, Bruce Wayne had to come out and say, yes, I'm funding Batman. Yeah, and Batman Inc. he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if that's still the status quo, but you but you say, like... I, I've, for, never, I've never heard that it hasn't been. He got a lot of heat for it when Batman apparently went rogue or, you know, it was in... in yeah. mm-hmm. But uh, I think he still is. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. you know, I'm thinking of other characters that... Wayne Industries. Wayne Industries funds Batman. Excuse yes. me, it's just one more arm yeah. of Wayne Co. No, it's Wayne Industries. It's <laughs> absolutely Wayne Industries. So... Anyway, uh, that was the big news in December, and I said I just thought it was Mark Miller. Say, I thought it was funny that Mark Miller, of all people, right. was saying it was a mistake to do that, and then you lost a mystery. And I think again in 2020, and I'm getting used to just saying 2020, uh, that it's I would imagine it's harder and harder if you were actually fighting crime, you know, the dual identity to keep that identity secret. I mean, they covered that on Arrow, too, didn't it? Wasn't it very obvious that they all figured out that Oliver Queen was a couple of the times. archer? Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and, of course, they covered <laughs> The Flash. Uh, Barry Allen just takes off his mask when somebody drops a hat. Okay, I have to confess to you. I'm The Flash. Right. Oh, I just dropped my hat. I didn't really care. Right, right. <laughs> the, one that, the one that I love was I just recently watched another Christmas movie, uh, Batman Returns. With uh, Michelle yeah, Pfeiffer, you, you're getting really aggressive on Facebook. That like is you, such a Christmas. Movie. Well, I know, but the point is, like, when you say "fight me," which I believe is what you actually said, <laughs> I'm like, why? It takes that's place a, at Christmas. Of course, it's a Christmas that's movie. A, that's a meme. The whole "fight me" thing. Was, oh, Rick. Yeah, we're too old for these memes. Anyway, um, at one point, fight me. Okay. Okay. At one point, um, Batman's Stay gonna, tuned to our YouTube channel, by the way, when Rick, Rick and I have a death match. Okay, go ahead. Batman and, and Penguin and, and, uh, and Michelle Pfeiffer, Catwoman, are all there having the, their final showdown. I like that you know everybody else by superhero names, or, but you go, but Michelle Pfeiffer, okay, Catwoman. But why? Right. Cool. No. Um, and to to reveal is that any he literally tears the like mask rubber. Off his I head. know, I know. It just like breaks apart, and he's left with part of the cowl up around his his cheeks and stuff. It's like very dramatic. That is, by the way, my by f- the way, you can tear that off. So how does it stop bullets again? <laughs> exactly. It is still by far the most complete Tim Burton film. Like there are always holes. Yeah, not just ragged edges. Uh, there are always holes in Tim Burton stories, and I just love the aesthetic. And I know there are many people who find Batman Returns way too dark and scary oh, and yeah. weird, but I still creepy. At least everything is actually sewn up. Like yeah. it's the it's the one movie where I'm like, nope, no plot holes left. You've yeah. you've actually addressed everyone, and you know, maybe we'll talk about it at a at a Baycon sometime. So one other thing I forgot I meant to, meant to mention this up top. Today is Science Fiction Day. Who declared that? I don't know. It came up on my. Uh, on We're recording my, this on the evening of January second, so apparently just the second of January every year is Science Fiction Day. So remember that next year in 2021. Yeah, we're living science fiction, Rick. I, I was not supposed to be here in 2020. It was never supposed to come. We it was so far in the distance. Mars. No, I I should have at least had a C lab. 
again, that's I, I'm going to stick by that. I, you know, I can see you in C Lab. <laughs> I'm saying 2020, not 2021. Uh, you I see. ass. Okay. I see. So anyway, all right. Again, YouTube channel upcoming celebrity <laughs> death match. Rick and Derek until one of us just goes. Can we stop? Anyway, huh. anyway, um, Rick will have the better technology. This is true. No one questions it. He's actually the supervillain. <laughs> so. Uh, let's get to our pick of the week, or uh, we agreed before two. this podcast began that we would do two, so it's yeah. picks of the week. Yeah. It's not really in the bag. It's on a stack next to our it's, respective monitors. It's in a couple of stacks, but I'll pull the first one off. Well, sure. When you're home, my God, so. people, one day he will be found dead under a collapsed tower of comics. There's a lot of throughput in that stack. There's a lot of what? A throughput. Throughput? Yeah. Okay. Like new stuff gets added, and then gets taken away well as long as some of it gets red this is the red for yesterday and okay um so the first one i have today he's a retired gentleman of leisure he is a gentleman of leisure the future begins here incoming issue number one from marvel comics uh i think that's the funniest title that marvel has ever done i have this is this is such a mess this is such so this is a warning we'll start with our warnings this week a warning um but it's you know, you got all the all the Marvel characters in the background behind a red hand that's dripping something. Blood, maybe? I don't know. Let's call it Iker. It's 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 wet. It's it's definitely a drip coming down there. And there are people who are actually literally staring well, at the Well, it is the new cosmic villain, the finger painter. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, this is a $10 book. It did take about uh, half an hour to read through. And it's one of those ones where it's a bunch of vignettes that are, at the beginning, they're tied together by one character leaving one vignette and going to the next one. But, like, halfway through, they kind of abandon that. <laughs> and it's just, like, things that are happening. And so then it's they the come comic book version it. of Slacker? I don't know. Have you ever seen Slacker? No. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it starts off with a closed-door a locked door mystery. Someone's found dead well, inside it could be of a, a closed lock, door. locked room. Locked room. Yeah. Um, You'll find the genre eventually. I will. You I'll make a new it. one. It's a locked door room. The mystery. picked lock window. Yes. Um, it it actually echoes through the whole book a lot of the beginning of Watchmen, the the original watchman in that you have someone's died at the beginning and we're trying to figure out who he was and how he died and all this and so that's that's what the um investigation's about and it goes literally through all of marvel comics all so what died was it my interest um perhaps okay because what this is leading into i know we're savage it's it's leading into a, a what what looks to be a big event, but may just be a bunch of small events with the flavor of a big event because they at before the the thing's over, they show you all the books that are going to be tied in tied in to this, and some of them you just go that's that's not there's no way that's tied in that's it's ridiculous oh, but wait and see Rick it's tied in because it's happening at the same time as everything else um I am fairly disappointed uh in the whole of it uh it's it's kind of tedious reading on top of that and the art is the art is good the art is good it's not great it's so is it really a half hour read or did you keep falling asleep i kept on 
trying I was trying to read it very closely because switching the vignettes every time you're trying to figure out why did they go from that one to this one so it's a little more complex uh to than than the average continuous story um there are some parts that are better than others see and I'm not against vignettes cuz I think in a couple months ago right we had Marvel Comics 1000 or a few right. and that was a fun book to read when it did connect see, I saw when it was connected see this is not a fun book to read. No, this is coming out of that because we start with the. Did Al Ewing write it? Then I'm sorry, but no, we start with. No, no, no. You're not answering my question. Who who is the writer on this? Because it doesn't say. It's. Uh, but look who's on the first page. Oh, it's that guy. Oh, oh. It's the guy set up in. But who's it's, the writer? It's, it's the Phantom Stranger with guns. Don't you? Say, oh. I almost, by the way, disowned my child. Oh, Al Ewing did work on it. A lot of writers that I do a like. Lot, uh, and it, I think the vignettes are parsed out to different people. Yeah, and, there's some. Uh, my my son has now learned, and by the way, he's 15, and this is sad that this is the way. Worse than calling me, than saying, okay, boomer, which I'm not. I'm not a boomer. I'm Gen X. Kids. Uh, is he was <laughs> saying a Phantom Stranger, he goes, oh, he's Judas Iscariot. And oh. I said, oh, we do not, we do not accept the new 52 explanation for the Phantom Stranger in this house, mister. That was, that was. Do you uh, want a car? The, the <laughs> darkest timeline. <laughs> so yeah. anyway. Anyway. Okay. My. So I, an advisory. If you, if you really need to have a lead in to the next big event from Marvel uh, and you get $10, you're not doing anything better with incoming issue one. Okay, I've got ten bucks. I I got better things to do. Yeah, I expect. Know? I expect you. To so, do. unfortunately, I didn't get that warning enough. I'm going to also <laughs> have to warn off one, and I hate to do this because I I really do. But I, um, everything should have added up to my feeling like I'd spent my money well on this book, and it's just not there. Uh, I should say what it is. It's a uh, from the publisher Source Point Press who probably will never email me again after this. And I, I, I apologize, guys. I, I, I like the quality of the paper, the printing, the artwork. Art looks good. Okay. The book is called The Seance Room. And I have a feeling there may have been previous seance rooms, and I just haven't mm. found them. It's why this kills me is it's so obvious that everybody involved is super talented. And yet. Um so it's a subtitled The Seed of Change, but it's not actually subtitled that within the book that I can tell. And uh, nope, it's not. So I picked it up because I thought, oh, with this thing, and they've got this character who, as you pointed out, is sort of like Mr. Sinister, but sort of. I think it's just the way he the looks. Paint. He's got, he's got bit, the facial. A little bit. He's got the facial, but it's yeah. he's still human. And he's got, like, there's claws around his neck, and but he's smiling. So I thought, okay, it's like a horror anthology thing. Or, you know, a series that I loved was Night Force. And I thought, he's got a little Baron Winters vibe going on. So great cover. Draws me in. Also looks like a pulp, you know, black mask or something. And uh, Oh, it's definitely got the pulp sensibility. The pulp sensibility. The, so, the I'm th- so I'm thinking, all right, I've heard great things about Source Point Press. And so I'm going to pick this up. And it is, as you say, it, it is beautifully drawn, but the storytelling of of actually the artwork itself is beautiful, but doesn't tell the story particularly well. Oh, the backs of people's heads. Yeah, a lot of it. Yes, yes. It's just very dark. 
and muddy. Uh, and I think it's the art. I don't think it's the reproduction. The, the production values on this book are terrific. Uh, but that doesn't add up. And then there's like this cool thing where they've got like this almost like tarot thing. You go, he goes into this place, which I will assume is called the seance room. And he gets, uh, this character is told he's going to, he has a accident on the road and he's a Senator. And so this is a uh, spoiler. This is a, a, this book, which is not the turnoff for me is uh you know wearing a liberal politics on its sleeve okay. progressive politics in kind of a horror thing but it's just yeah like all the things that are interesting they muddy it's all blurred it's all blurred and all the possibilities and then it doesn't really explain what anything is and then the last page the, is it to be continued at the end uh, i can't even tell the host of the, ironically the host just he says the guy runs out into this road uh, and he goes and the guy closes the door and says, welcome to the seance room. You know, and this like, could be – I mean, I'm not going to defend the book. Because you haven't read it, for one thing. But, but it, it could be one of those books where it's, it's I'm the gonna introduction. Let you. I'm going to let you. <laughs> I will read it. Um, but because the, it, it has potential, and it really it really saddened me. But the but the truth of the matter is that three ninety nine or oh, – that might even be a four ninety nine yeah. book. Um, it was three ninety nine. So okay. thank you, Source Point, for at least keeping it down. Is like you have one shot – at three ninety nine, as the best piece of advice I was ever given years ago when I was doing Tony Loco, which no, don't go look for it. I understand. It, it, it is, you know, the guy said to me, uh, and I can't remember what the name of his book was, but he was involved with Valiant for a while, and he said, "You're not going to get somebody. You're not. Nobody's going to walk into the comic shop and say and not buy Wolverine. Right. You've got to have something that's compelling enough that they're going to say, I'm not going to buy my bag of chips." This week, right. I'm going to give this book a try. Money. So I, there, well, he's got a phrase I, I had never really heard before that, and now I hear it all the time. Is you know, he said, "Your salty snacks money." Mm. So, are you going to convince people to give up their salty snacks for the week to buy? No, you're going to. This is this is your salty snack. I'm the salty snack right now, people. I'm going to be <laughs> salty about this book. You have this shot, and because I don't know that you're going to get a, a trade paperback either. I, I, if I had l- really liked this first issue, I would have gone to the, my friends at Elusive Comics and said, "Yeah, I want put this, it on my. Th- I want put this on my bo- pool list." Yeah, and I just don't don't have it, and it's so close, and so, it misses the mark. So, is it is there a potential here that this is this is all? kind of mundane intro into something that's going to be better in the second issue. Not if you're going to tackle one specific political issue that is okay. then resolved I'm, in this one. If I'm it's an anthology hosted by somebody who may have a plot line, uh-huh. but you got to give me a sense of what the hell's the plot line. Don't give me a setup from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Well, And, you know, can we use your phone? Uh, the car broke down. I mean, that's really what it is. But with a, a, a political thing. Masters throwing a pot. <laughs> You're lucky. Uh, oh, yeah, lucky. lucky. They, uh, my Patricia Quinn is terrible. But, the, but um, she's the, not. I am. My first reading of issue one of Sandman, I had the exact same reaction. Neil Gaiman's Sandman? Yeah. The first issue, which is him in the prison and he's in the mask. But I was intrigued and, by that. I was I was intrigued enough. Okay, and I, you're, and you're I, right. I kept at, going, and but my it price was point nothing like the rest of the book. And my price point at that point was low, and that's yes, what I'm saying. That's is true. It was like seventy five cents. Yeah, 
Now, granted, thing a lot of things cost a lot less, and I wasn't making as much money. Right. But yeah, you know, no, there was a time when I was flush with adulthood, and like I'd spend sixty, seventy dollars a week, and right. I had a stack like here on your kitchen table, and that's what I got for that. But now, what I'm saying is that three nine nine pop, you you yeah. really got to oh, convince yeah. me. It goes crazy, and you can do it in twenty twenty two pages. Yeah. But this unfortunate, and, and and you got to do more than look pretty, and you got to do look, more than look gothic. Yep. If you give me a bunch of cool character design, which it did, but then it doesn't add up, and you don't let me see what the hell those characters can do, or why they exist in one issue, just give me something. You know, like one of my favorite finds in the last year, I mentioned Night Force is DC. Whether or not you know you might be able to find it on Amazon, but again, as you and I discovered this weekend. There are many things that you can still find on Amazon that mm-hmm. you might not be able to find in, in Diamond if you're going to your right, store. Right. So, but Night Force, they did a nice hardcover of the Night Force stuff. It's Gene Colin Art. It's Marv Wolfman. Oh, yeah. It's a character. It's telling horror stories in a serialized format. It's it's going someplace. And, you know, and, and I had hopes that the seance room was something like yeah. that. And it's... It, and if somebody wants to argue with me and say, "Well, I bought it and I like," please do. I'm I'm open to someone give, making me give it a second second look, but yeah. I just did not enjoy it. So what so is did your next, you enjoy? Is your next book a recommend? It is a good, recommend. Good. So we'll, yes, we will go out on an upsurge. Because Absolutely, that's why when you did a ev- you know everything that I said negative about um, incoming, I had to look at the cover <laughs> of the book to find out what it was called. I have it's I mean, like 180 degrees different for a book I had no expectations for, especially since I knew what it was doing. And what we have this week is issue number one of Star Wars. And I don't know what volume of this is because they've, they've it's just about volume seven. I think it's, it's I was looking in the indicia and it doesn't I know say when people say anymore. like, wait, but wasn't there? Yes, there was. And and with great fanfare, Marvel brought Star Wars to a close. Yes. One era of their comics has ended, yes. and now is this post-Return of the Jedi? This is post-Empire uh, Strikes Back. So now, so gonna, Dash Rendar is going to be a character. Take, taking this back could possibly. So <laughs> Rick's not taking my, my bait. I'm not taking that bait. I've got all his books up over there, though. Um, there's more than one book with Dra- Dash three. Rendar? Oh, my God. So, so um, Star Wars. Empire Strikes Back ends with Luke's lost his hand. He's found out about Vader being his father. These are all spoilers. I recall. I I saw it once or twice. But I just want to remind you, everything that's bad has happened. He's lost his hand. He lost his lightsaber. He's got a new frenemy in Landau Calrissian. Um, Han is off in Carbonite. And we don't see a transition between that and the Luke we see at the beginning of Return Return of of the the Jedi. Jedi. There, there is an incredible amount of character change between those two that most people just don't even think about. Which I do want to say, um, for anybody who's hating on the rise of Skywalker, see, that's what happens when yeah. time passes in between films. Exactly. So, anyway. so this book starts from, an, from, from the standpoint of writing and a writer and, and making an interesting story. Broken characters are the best. They're just you, you have you have so much you can do with them. You, the reactions can be, you know, insane or you know pleasant or what you know. You can go any number of ways, and this is a space that is just ripe a space 
that is just ripe with storytelling. Storytelling potential. Story twelling. Story twelling. Sorry, story twelling. We're going to start that at Baycon. We're going to create a phrase and see if it catches on. In the sci-fi, you've already submitted your story twelling. I did, but you have time. I haven't done mine yet. One, you have to decide what story twelling is. I can go back in. I still have a space. I could add one. So, so there's there's. I'm not going to I'm not going to spoil this book because nothing I've told you so far is a spoiler in any way. Who is writing it? It's uh, Soul. Charles Soul. Yeah. Who did that fantastic Darth Vader. And they did the same thing. You'll have the first page, which is a long time ago in the galaxy far away. And then they do a two-page spread of Star Wars. How hackneyed and banal. Okay, no, I'm it. just kidding. I love it. I really only have one and question. Crawl. I have only one question. Yes. Is Jackson in it? Jackson? The six-foot green rabbit in the red jumpsuit. I have not seen a Jackson in it so far. That, that was for Steve Mix. Okay. Because I... I explained Jackson to him last week. So anyway, uh, but this, I mean, hands down, uh, if, if I of all the books I bought this week, I'm happy. no hand is down. That's what's yeah. great. It's hands down, <laughs> hand off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm on hand solo and hand. Uh, I'm saying it like my mother. I'm saying it like my mother did. Like my mother would have hand solo. So you have the fledgling Jedi, Jedi without a lightsaber. Fledgling Jedi, Jedi. Jedi without This is a actually about Marin County, and there's a Jetty, and it's a fledgling, and could be. and Lucas is fledgling point, and Lucas, Lucas, Lucas. Good Lord, how much have we had? Not we, a bit. I just had. What, had what is it? What is in this macadamia something Kona coffee? I vanilla. All right. Anyway, this. <sighs> so I then I'm going to head over heels. I'm going to and. and because talking about you know you have three ninety nine we talked about this but for four ninety nine you get your hundred page Superman giant number one with a new story up front which does what a comic book should do to get Complete new readers in it's no I mean there's a it is going to continue uh-huh. but it's not an unsatisfying cliffhanger it's the lead story is Superman versus the Parasite. Mm-hmm. In the dialogue, I've been thinking about this a lot. Uh, so the writer is Robert Venditti, who I've enjoyed for several years. Paul Pelletier is the uh, penciler. Andrew Hennessy is the inker. Oops, and I don't want to say that. I don't want to leave out the colorist. Adriano Lucas and Clayton Cowles is the letterer. Super easy to read. Great story that's not too frightening for a kid who, like, goes, oh, I, I mean, look, every, Parasite's, Parasite's certainly, a pretty creepy character. But you know what, kids today, please, you yeah. see that on Disney Junior right. at, you know, sure. age five. So it's 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 not quite a done-in-one. It is. It comes to wrap, and then there's a larger mystery. So it's like, you know, serialize it. But the thing is, this new story would get – explains who the Parasite is, mm-hmm. explains what the status quo is for this take on Superman. Then it goes back, and this is why there's such great – these are such great values – then it goes back, and they found a good spot in Sterling Gates' run on uh, Supergirl to start a new storyline. There's a thing with Superman fighting Bizarro, uh, not Bizarro, um, Brainiac from a while back. And if anything, that's the one that bothers me a little bit just because it's a Jeff Johns run from Action Comics. Uh, beautifully drawn, but not really as appropriate for kids as the no, rest of that, the book that is. First, that first page panel, I wouldn't uh, no. say is. No, but then they go back into, and I, I remember reading this, the Superman, again from Superman with yes. Jonathan, and they yes. go to Dinosaur Island, yep. and that's a fun story. 
and which ends on a cliffhanger. But that's okay because uh, no. they, you know, the, I, I did the old hun- dollar hundred page giants oh, no. we used to buy did yeah. the same thing. I picked this one up. I didn't buy it. Um, I bought most of the dollar ones, and I'm just a little exhausted by it. When I looked at it inside, I. I think the first story is the only one that's new, and the previous ones in are, this one, in yeah, like one. like there's a swamp thing um, giant that is like two or three. Usually, there's like two or three, and then some reviews. Yeah. But it is a 25 page story, so it's not like most of the news stories they've been putting these have only been like 13, 14 pages. And so these so, 100 page giants are the best value yeah. How for much your money. Four ninety nine. Four ninety nine. Four ninety nine. Yeah. So this is. I doubt this is the story is going to be super important in the larger continuity and the scheme of things. But, no, probably not. Yeah. But you know what? It's I really just love that for five bucks, there are four stories. And even if I read one before, mm-hmm. I you know, I, and I probably oh, the dinosaur island, island story with the losers and yeah, yeah I, I, I I had read that, yeah. but um, I hadn't read the Supergirl book, and I hadn't read. Um, I probably have the action, but I hadn't read it. So to get this, you know, I don't care that three stories are reprints. If they're new to me, or yeah. I, or it's rediscovering a story I knew from well, before. This again is the stuff that was in Walmart, right? I don't know if if they're just starting over from scratch, huh. or if they are. These are brand new number ones, moving forward with new content. I, I, I don't know. I haven't picked them all up, but this one I did. The, I'm doing this and and Swamp Thing, and then they've been doing like holiday ones. There was a Ghosts. There was yeah the, a, a uh, ghost's hundred page which was taking doing scary stories with char- established characters. They, DC did a a post apocalyptic Christmas um, <laughs> yes I collection. I, I don't think I bought. that. I did not buy that one, but I was like, well, I gotta admire that they they've got a deep enough. Uh, it all takes place in the scary future world of twenty twenty one. I'm sorry, guys. You know, I I just need to get more optimistic about twenty twenty. So that that's uh that's you know there we go that's our comics let's get to movies shall we we should something very odd has happened in the world of cinema and I'm not just talking about the release of cats I'm talking about the fact that it got already been re-released yes in that they uh you had a trailer in which everybody said my god it looks horrible they redid the special effect it, the, yeah the yeah. visual effects before it was released they released it and within 3 days universal had announced Oh, we're still doing the VFX, which you can do because it's all dig- digitally or distributed. Most are yeah. digitally di- distri- distributed, and apparently, not all theaters took it. Oh, so there, you know, I think that's going to become it's almost like the underground. It's like knock, knock, knock. I want to see the one in which in which uh, Judy Dench I want has Smith. human hands. Taylor Smith has no nose. Taylor Swift. Taylor Not Smith. Smith. Swift. 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 Uh, Swift. Swift. I haven't seen them. That's Rick and his story twelling again. Mm. Anyway, uh, no, no one should. I, I don't know. I take that. There are people whose opinions I I really respect who have said it was really fun. Okay. On the other hand, I never had an interest in seeing cats in the first place. So, and right now this is. This is, like last year, I was given a test of my relationship by would I or would I not watch the DVD of Andrew Lloyd, funny, it's Andrew Lloyd Webber both times, uh-huh. Andrew Lloyd Webber's sequel, sequel to Phantom of the Opera, Love Never Dies. Oh, God, yes. So I have a DVD. It was given to me as a quote-unquote gag gift, uh-huh. and I, I watched it because it, it was just like I was worn down. It was like it was like some sort of torture. Right. And then I had to watch the DVD, and it was 
yeah, as bad as, yeah. I, as I thought it yeah. would be. So that's how I feel about cats. Um, I'm in, I've been offered, I've been given the option of cats or little women this weekend, and I went, I'm going for little women. Oh yeah, I'm totally I'm going for little really women. Good. Yeah. yeah. So like like haha, you tricked who got who tricked who here? Anyway, um, <laughs> but it is interesting to say it, it, it's both possible and then. You know, I'm I'm still clamoring for the original Star Wars movies. Like, if you wanted to go see Cats right now, it's only been in circulation two weeks, and it's quite possible you can't even see. You're seeing Cats, the special edition. You can't right, ever right. see you never Cats. Saw the orig- oh, you God. can't ever see the original Cats again. I don't think people are necessarily going to be pining for that original Cats, the one that was out for oh, two Oh, no, weeks. no. If I'm going to see Cats, that's what I want to see. Oh, I want to see the one you where. want to see the train wreck. I, I want to see the one where there's still somebody in the in the motion capture suit and they're just gray blobs because they never finished doing that. Is I, that what happened? There is at least one shot. Apparently, people said said that that, that there's that they see uh, their background characters that are still like not they weren't still not rendered. completely rendered. Oh my god! The Judy Dench's paws go back to being hands, and you can see her wedding ring at one point. Nice. So you know, granted, it's like a Fellini. Granted, film. but but this is another thing about the problem with distribution right now is they had a landing date. They had a release date they were locked into, yeah. and 40, 50 years ago, pre-Star Wars, this wouldn't have happened because it didn't, not only could you not have pushed a new print, but it wouldn't have been released until it was ready. Right. But they locked well, these dates into, yeah. I mean, it could still suck. And again, <laughs> nobody, I know this, look, nobody, no VFX artist Intended to make a bad film, to allow a bad bad film to happen. Right. But they were so rushed. Well, this happened with Star Trek The Motion Picture, right? William William Shatner in his tour always says that, like, they delivered the print, still wet, to the theater. You know, and, and it's it, when they did their premiere. Because Douglas Trumbull was, like, desperately trying to get it all finished. So, you know, they're, they're locked into these dates. And everybody wants that Christmas thing. And... You know, the Tom Hooper is the director. Bragged he's like he, the day before the premiere. He said, "I finished at eight o'clock yesterday morning." Like he finished it the day before finished editing, and you're just like, "What? What happened?" But again, it's you know, I, I think back. I yeah. was very outraged that Star Wars redid the special effects, and I still see, and that article still goes around Facebook. People are going, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, we're going to get the originals." You know, there's that Best Buy version that's coming, All right? And people are like, "Are we going to get the originals on that?" No. J.J. Abrams brought it back up again and said, "Please, Disney, you own it all now. Yeah, can we have it? You know, we're not going to get the original." It's funny because um, you remember back in the the high definition wars the sony blu-ray versus microsoft uh, hd dvd i do because somebody i know i'm not going to name names but he's a <laughs> great storyteller he he told me that microsoft's hd dvd was going to win and i said no it's not because disney backed blu-ray the there was a feature in hd I was dvd right. yes where they could do overlays and they could you could actually go in and cut your own version of whatever film. So if you didn't like it have a scene, you could you could create a the Derek McCaw cut of whatever it was. So you you could have multiple versions of the same film without having to have a whole nother copy of the of the That would have helped with Batman. 
So I mean, you could do any number of things. You could you could have you could have the pre special effects um, shots of just the actors in there, and then you could. But lay here's in the, the thing: because there's a company in Utah, right, that just lost it's lost two or three lawsuits on this that they are they called clean cuts or some uh, mm. someone can message me uh, that they were doing that where they were selling. P or renting. I, I don't think they were actually selling, but it was a couple a chain of video stores in Utah where, of course, uh, a large portion of the population is a little more conservative right, in their yeah. tastes, uh, but they still want to see the blockbusters. So they'd edit out the swearing, they'd edit oh, yeah. out all all the, the objectionable scenes, and you could have the clean, the allegedly clean oh, yeah. version. Yeah. But they lost. Uh, they were sued by studios because it's like, well, that's not the movie we released. You don't have the right to do this. Now, it is funny because certainly, again, in the early days of, of, of film distribution, there are states where, like, if you – I can't remember which states it would be in, but you, but if you saw Frankenstein, it was, like, 20 minutes shorter. And I was just – Right, right. I was just reading up on another film where it – you know, there are – it's one reason why so many old films are lost because these – the local censors were right. allowed to just well blockbuster cut used, things to, out. used to request edits of videos before they'd take them for rental for a number of films so you get it at blockbuster it wasn't what was available theatrically and then remember eyes wide shut had things added into mm-hmm. um the the dvd at that time um, release of of, uh, of specifically the orgy scene they put additional figures blocking other characters that were... Uh, I mean, that was still done with the studio's cooperation, so that's what that I'm was saying. That was still done, that, yeah. I mean, we're, this we're is, an interesting... This is the, we're the distribution an people have, the power of the distributor uh, Right, the well, but that's what I'm saying. At this point, is like Tom Hooper as the director, whether or not I, if I ever break down and see Cats, he had the right to have his version out there. But then it makes me rethink, well, does, did George Lucas have the right to completely redo digitally? Yeah. Although, you know, I still say there's an added in scene in New Hope, which actually adds in nothing except now you can see Jabba as a slightly more svelte hut. Um, but the dialogue is almost the same as what happens in the cantina. Like the information is all the same. And oh, you're not talking about when Han walks over his tail. Yes. About I am to? talking about that. Okay. And Boba Fett's in that scene. And it's like, so yeah. you could have Boba Fett's digitally inserted into a New Hope and, and, like why what did yeah. that actually add other no. than fan service of look there's job of the hut yeah. and there's and there's boba Fett. foreshadowing before we actually knew what they look you know, it's like uh, yeah yeah anyway so let just to open up that can of worms and have discussion and people can add in and tell me stuff uh, on their opinions on this too at editor at fanboyplanet.com and did get excited i mean again this is one of those news non-news things for me yeah at every step of the way of Disney, well, this is what makes it news, though. Okay, every step of the way of Disney absorbing Fox, the three or four years of drama we had through this, Bob Iger kept giving to conversations where he'd say, "Yeah, I mean, you know, Deadpool did pretty well. I think we we should need to we should find, we should we should find a way to have uh, you know people get that Marvel brand and understand that because I would also say you know that there are already films." The average person, not a person listening to the Fanboy Planet podcast, because you are discerning and discriminating. The average person has never realized 
that Fox and oh, Disney yeah. Marvel movies were different. Yeah. So, you know, that's okay. Like, still, I, I think most people think that Marvel publishes D, uh, Batman and Superman. Uh-huh. So, uh, and someday they will. <laughs> okay, so anyway, <laughs> I was reading Disney. Do you know how close that came in the 90s? The, the, that the, Disney the, almost bought Warner? Yeah. <sighs> anyway, uh, so it could have been. Anyway, uh, so he said all along, and then Ryan Reynolds, this is what makes it news. He said, We're, we are actively developing Deadpool 3 and will probably be R-rated. Now, what got killed was X-Force, but I wasn't interested in seeing X-Force. No. Because I think they made enough of a joke about that in Deadpool yes. 2. So we're going to get Deadpool now? 3. And that's great. So that's the, that, that's the news. It, it's happening. Um, now the real question is, what about New Mutants? Will we ever see New Mutants? Yeah. Will we, Rick? Well, we're going to see a movie. We? <laughs> we're going to see a movie called New Mutants that looks like a slasher, a teenage with, slasher film with Dame Judi Dench as Professor X, who says she has cat a claws. mutant is not a dog. Okay. Anyway, um, that's something I know happens at the end of Cats. Yeah. A- anyway, uh, and then I want to throw something else out, movie wise, because I uh, do feel this is true that a lot of retailers got caught short. I'm going to. Loop back to comics for just a second. Joker came out. A lot of people potentially brought in new readers. But it's just what I was thinking on the way over here. It's not necessarily new readers. It's people that are interested in perhaps reading the source material that aren't going to necessarily become comics fans. Right. But they're walking into stores and saying, can I see, Can you have the book that Joker is based on? Right. And there really isn't. The closest, I think, in vibe. Don't we live in a wonderful world where people can can say, "Oh, the Joker movie." Well, I read the original story, and then that somehow elevates them in the discussion. We don't live in that world because nobody read the original story. There is <laughs> so no, there original, no story. original story, but that's what they're going. For. But but they're not looking. They're not going in to become like. I want to come back in month after month and buy Joker comics. They're looking right. for one book, right? And the closest I'd say is that is that Brian Azzarello, Lee Bermejo, and Mick Gray graphic novel called Joker. Joker. called the Joker, yeah. which has the vibe. It's not the origin, but it's more of the street right. level. Right. Uh, Batman Damned kind of has that feel, which again, I I love Batman Damned. I I didn't expect to, yeah. but there's that. So what I and and there are Joker there co- are there collections. are two two active books right now though. There's the Harley Quinn uh, black label book, and then there's Joker and Harley, but they're not set label. in any. They're continent. not. Set. They're both black label. They're in different time periods. It's very different. As is the movie, you know. Well, that is true. That yeah. is true. So my question is: with time, I had a. There's a Birds of Prey, mm-hmm. or the Fabulous Emancipation, and the Fabulous Emancipation of Harley, of one Harley, Harley Quinn. Quinn, and. What I was trying to think, and so I'm going to put this out to you, right into editor at fanboyplanet.com, is that Birds of Prey to me was never a book that I associated with Harley Quinn. I'd read most of it. No. I don't no. I don't recall her ever really being a, a regular, and that's fine. I, Gail Simone herself has pointed out, and i got to give all credit. She says, Margot Robbie, after you've, or Robbie, after they did 
Suicide Squad, and she was given this option to continue as Harley Quinn and produce films. Could have said she wanted to just do a Harley Quinn solo film. And instead, she really read the source material and says, I want to do something with the Birds of Prey and bring a female super team to screen. Yeah, She could have totally hogged all the spotlight, and she's not. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. My only caveat is I just don't know where, if somebody were to walk into a comic shop and say, I want to read about it, about these characters, the Birds of Prey are great, but people's gateway is going to be Harley Quinn. Right. So what book is there or what trade paperback, what graphic novel? And at this point, it's not a black label. It's not a Zoom. It's not an ink. It's not a DC graphic novel for kids, though there are a few. They're probably really good. But what is, if, if someone was interested in the movie and then wanted to read up, what would be the one paperback? Or it could be a hardcover. But what would be the one collection that would guide them? Because I was thinking about it in the Joker thing we were talking about uh, on Facebook that, you know, there's a, there is a Joker collection of his solo book from the 70s. Right. There is now the Joker Omnibus, which has a few other great stories right. as well as those original nine issues. The old, the greatest Joker stories ever told. Okay, most of them, again, out of print, out of print. But, but great stuff. Not hard, not not impossible to find, but yeah. But yeah. we're not helping a retailer, because no. unless they already have it. Right. And... And they're also like I, I have that greatest Joker story has ever mm-hmm. told book Kyle Baker cover fantastic so cover right the greatest Batman story ever told <laughs> and and the and the greatest Flash stories and the greatest Golden yeah. Age, but that's not relate you know related no. to that that movie Joker right, right. So what is the Birds of Prey book you would recommend to somebody? Boy, that's a tough one, and that's why I, I want to put it out to listeners because. Yeah. There's time. It's not coming out to the end of February. And I think this is going to be my goal this year is to kind of track what new superhero movies are coming back. Like when you say Wonder Woman 1984, I could say, yeah, you could probably actually pick up the George Perez collection is yeah. his series yeah. from Crisis yeah. and Infinite Earths. But there's plenty of other great Wonder Woman stuff out there. Right. That, it, feels like, yeah. it feels like the same character. Yeah. And so that's why I, 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 mean, I want to find. I, I I kind of expect the 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 problem is there's there prior to this movie, there isn't really a crossover between Harley and the Birds of Prey. The Birds of Prey were pretty much. Um, I mean that was. Uh, but I'm thinking that Black Canary has at least teamed up with her in her in Harley Quinn's book. So again, maybe. is there I mean, a trade? More Poison Ivy and Harley. Well, well, and, you know, I mean, but is there a trade? And because I want to be able to recommend it to people that again, they're not looking to be readers. Right. They're probably not subscribing to DC Universe and seeing that surprisingly hilarious animated series of Harley Quinn. Have you read the the current Harleen books? No, I'm not picking up black labels as separate as I, I, with the exception of the question. I'm picking up individually, and I've already pre-ordered the collection for that. It's Stephon, I just like having. I know we Stephon talked Sajic. about it. We talked about it like two podcasts ago, and it does involve other characters in it. But is but, it set in a recognizable 
version of continuity of today present day continuity. Yeah, I think you. I think you think you'd say so. It's that within, one's closest. Yeah, I'd okay. say it's probably because I know there's like a closest. 1940s noir thing, and and I and I looked at the Joker and Harley book, and I th- thought, yeah, I think I can wait. I'm going to wait on that one to to get the the hardback. Uh, but I think that one's again. But, and to be honest, I'm not, and, and for me, I'm not particularly interested in those characters in that context. Right now, those are both of those are kind of dark and kind of serious, whereas the Harley Quinn book that's out now and it's kind of funny. It's 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 more done for laughs, much and and the. And if you don't want to read a book, go to DC uh, Universe and watch the animated. No, Harley I just said Quinn. I, 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 I yeah. you weren't listening. I, I said uh, this is for the people that won't because you got to subscribe to DC subscribe. Universe. Yeah, you can get that seven day free, whatever it is. Yeah, you run so many scams. I do. I'm sorry, but scams. Um, but okay. the, uh, um, but I'm. I'm I didn't look to see, but I would expect expect that that book has been out long enough that they've collected some of it. Yeah, there are trade there are trades yeah. of that, so maybe that's it. But again, if you're listening and you have a recommendation of like, there's this one yeah, arc yeah. that totally sums up what you think it's all about. That you know, that's great. Um, I would say just if you're listening and uh, find something by Gail Simone uh, with. Because I think was Harley part of Secret Six at any point? Oh yeah, because those Secret Six books are great and probably have the vibe. But you know, it's and I I do recommend that Harley Quinn start Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor have done a lot of a, mm-hmm. a lot of of that and a lot of work making her popular. I still think the oddest thing is like when they did that Batman and Harley Quinn uh, animated animated movie a couple of years ago. Yes, and I interviewed Bruce Tim and Bruce Tim said that he had been so involved in animation he had no idea that she had become an icon really and i thought well wow. no that speaks about you know where he's the father i mean he, yeah well yeah one of the create two creators arguably paul yeah. dini and bruce tim and bruce tim had no idea that you could walk in because yeah why would he go into a hot topic but that you could go into a hot topic and see all this harley quinn stuff hot topic nothing go into a comic-con Bruce does not walk on the floor of Comic-Con. Okay. He shows up and does his duty with the press, and he goes to the panels, and super nice guy. I, yeah. I really like Bruce Tim, but I totally get it. He's one of those, as I say, he didn't get into this so that he could go to conventions. He got into this so he could do cartoons right? and right, do a great right. job. Right. So, uh, so throw it out there again. So let's go to TV. Uh, we did, uh, since we're on the comic side of things, I will say, Wanda, we got all excited that <laughs> – because you asked me before we started recording, right, had I finished The Mandalorian. And right. then the fake news story, people, is that everybody who now that The Mandalorian's over is canceling their Disney Plus subscriptions, and that's BS. There's so much content. Well, No, I, I'd heard that they're actually they're actually concerned about the number of people who now that The Mandalorian's over, they've canceled their... their uh, Are you kidding? Uh, well, I should say that a lot of people got that, that great three-year deal. Right. And so I think in response to this, Disney has announced that WandaVision will be moved up to 2020. It was supposed to be 2021. I think it's also because they may be a little further along on Doctor Strange and the Multiverse Multiverse of Madness. Madness. 
and you know, and you, and apparently you do need to to have seen WandaVision. Oh, you don't need. Didn't to. Didn't I hear that Shang Chi and the the Ten, Ten Rings, Rings uh, Secret of the Ten Rings, or got moved up as well? I haven't seen that. It, it maybe, but I. I have felt that almost all news stories in the last week involving Kevin Feige at a, you know, is he, right, he right. knows how to dominate the news cycle. He totally does. Yeah. Like, oh, Joker's in danger of winning a Golden Globe? And when I say in danger, I mean, you mean a DC film is in danger of getting better press? Kevin Feige says, we're doing Doctor Deadpool. Strange in the multi. Yeah. Ryan, go ahead and tell people we're going to do Deadpool. Right, <laughs> you right. Know? The only... The difference there is like, yeah, nobody says anything publicly about Marvel until Feggy has said yes. Mm. But it is a problem with like, uh, you know, having The Rock, Dwayne Johnson play Black Adam. I know that no one can control the press cycle with, with Dwayne Johnson. He goes, uh, I'm going to be in Black Adam next year and the JSA is going to be in it. And Warner Brothers is going, what the? <laughs> Shazam! Are you writing the script? Yeah. yeah. I do like the title of the Shazam sequel so far. I mean, they may change it, but it's Shazam with two exclamation points. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. That made me laugh. But anyway, so WandaVision's moving up and on Disney Plus to be around the same time as the F- F- Winter- Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Right, right. Which apparently has the flag of uh, not Genosha. But the other one where uh, Madripoor. Madripoor. So okay. there's been a there's been a, a a picture snapped of the set, and the set has the flag of Madripoor on it. So people are going, "Ooh, is Marvel TV? Well, it's not Marvel TV. I'm sorry. Is Marvel Studios going to sneak Wolverine, exactly. or at least a Lady? That's his stomping. Lady around. Hydra. Right? Well, uh, Madam Hydra. Lady Hydra. Good lord. So there's that. Uh, back in the Star Wars news. There has been a complaint. I do understand this complaint that Rose Tico mm-hmm. was minimized. The explanation from the film, uh, from the screenwriter, and I'm blanking on his name at the moment, and my apologies to those who were definitely going for it, was that most of her scenes were with were those that would have had the digital insertion of Carrie Fisher uh, and the quality wasn't as good, which I will say. Now, I've seen The Rise of Skywalker twice. Same here. And the feeling I had it was that is as much as I was so happy that they paid homage to Carrie Fisher and they still had a role so that that story ended. Right. Every one of those scenes looks weird to me like she is so clearly not in the not just not in the same shot she's not in the but that they had dialogue that they were trying to make it was like there's an improv there's a couple of improv games there's probably about a dozen improv games right but we used to play a comedy sports called uh scene on book and uh pick a play but the scene on book is one where one person is just they're limited to dialogue from a play that the audience chooses randomly Uh uh-huh and then everybody else in the scene has to make it make sense in continuity. And the with person with the script can can say whatever they want to say from the play at any time. And that's what I felt was going on. It was like, well, it's definitely what was going on. Well, yes, and, and it was obviously what was going on. Yeah. So if unfortunately Kelly Marie Tran's scenes were largely that, I completely understand yeah. why they went. This isn't working as well as we thought it would. However. The director of Crazy Rich Asians, John M. Chu, would like to develop 
a Rose Tico series for Disney Plus, and I am all for it because the one thing that I think, not just the loss of of Rose Tico as a major character in The Rise of Skywalker, but a concept that was lost from The Last Jedi that I liked, whether or not you think that it was poorly inserted in The Last Jedi, it was an interesting concept that what are the ordinary people doing right. out, out, of, out of the resistance and the, and the rebellion and the concept that Canto Bite introduced, that there's a whole class of people that are just profiting off the wars. And that what is Kelly, you know, now that you've allegedly won or whatever, this war, right? that there's still a problem with arms dealers. And there's still a thing that, that was clearly close to her heart. So if she had a, t- a team that was going out like doing – I don't know, black ops, you know, smuggling, sabotaging arms dealers or something. I would be fascinated by that. Yeah. And I don't think you get any of the other major cast members, but I do think that the the Hobbit that was involved in the film, I, I can't remember which, uh, the, the guy that was in Lost. Uh, and, and Oh, uh, oh uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, oh. I, I'm sure he'd be interested too, but I don't think you need him. I think you could just have no, Rose Tico no. and, and create some new people and follow her and do something really interesting because that's why The Mandalorian works. You're showing a corner, right? even though there's clearly touches that remind you there, wa- there were these other films there, yeah. that you're seeing something that had not been explored. Right. And as much as you know, we've touted, and you in particular, you know, cl- having seen Clone Wars and Rebels, there are a lot of people that just aren't going to watch the animated series. And right. there are a lot of people that aren't going to watch, uh, that aren't going to read the books. So the TV series are, the, to me, the future of Star Wars because that's the other thing. Once you saw the end of Mandalorian, I was like, mm, I had to watch The Rise of Skywalker twice to feel like, yeah, I'm satisfied. That's my honest review at, the po- at this moment. Yeah. Is it was better a second time around. But The Mandalorian, when that ended, I was like, I, not only do I want more immediately, yeah, but I only had to watch it once to know. Right, I absolutely love that last episode. Right, now you're getting you were getting the, Man, the Mandalorian in smaller bites too, and well, and, and it, the fewer characters. This is what I'm what I'm getting at: fewer characters. And this is why I I got and I had his name for a second. Yet the the guy from Lost who's also a Hobbit. Um, I would. I'd Dominic Monaghan. That's it. I would not put him into it. I would not put no. I would, I would, because he felt also as randomly inserted as Carrie Fisher, <laughs> but <laughs> and he was actually on set and he's still alive. <laughs> um, no, I. What I would. You want to address the one of the big criticisms of Star Wars, and that even even now, I mean, you have a, you had a female lead. In in um, the Rise of Skywalker, all in the trilogy, in this last trilogy, yeah. But you still had a hell of a lot of like supporting characters that were. I mean, well, so, so much scope, were, so much, so much scope, but so many more of them were male, and not necessarily they were white, but they were Caucasian or which is like even lighter skin. I would say like even the Mandalorian. I would love a <laughs> I would love more episodes focusing on Gina Carano. Because she was fascinating. Yeah, to she me. was terrific. Yeah. And this new, the new villain guy looks great. I mean, yeah. with the with the dark saber, um, which comes from Clone Wars. Um, yes, I know. 
So uh, I had to research to get it to solve a discussion going on. Okay. My, it's a Mandalorian. In my in-laws, yes. It's a Mandalorian weapon, yes. So, uh, but, but still a Jedi. Just take her. Build the show around her. Build it with other people of color. Build it with, you know, more women. And and do so in a manner that makes sense. Not that you're just throwing a bunch of women into a thing, but make it make it a story that, that deals mm-hmm. with those issues. Um, you had you had that happen for Star Wars in general with respect to the Empire with the Thrawn character because Thrawn throwing Thrawn Admiral Thrawn in there exposed the fact that the the uh, the Empire doesn't like alien non human and you know and you know what it. the biggest lost opportunity was with the with the, this trilogy Richard E Grant. Would have been a terrific Thrawn. Thrawn, yeah, yeah. He was great, and and, and probably one of my favorite characters out of the Rise of Skywalker. He got blown out a window great. because he was the Peter Cushing character. Yeah, he had the gravity of Peter Cushing yes. in the original New yeah, Hope yeah. without being Peter Cushing, and I really appreciated that. And the difference at this point, like, is the other series that we are being promised. Are uh, they? They're working on the one from Rogue One, um, Cassian oh, Andor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and they're working on an Obi Wan Kenobi series, right? Which I'm really not interested in because we already know where their stories end. Yeah, Rose Tico, we don't. I would like to see, and I reread it this weekend and went, okay, it has to be animated. If they did it, I think you have a perfect opportunity to do Tag and Binker dead. That'd but it has fun. to be an animated series. Yeah, that'd be fun because there are too many people that you couldn't accept. You know, like they they have to be in footage. And I thought you could do like that that Deep Space Nine Trouble Triples episode, right? You could digitally insert them, and it could be fun. But I think it probably should just be. There's enough. You could make just more gags and do it. Yeah, do yeah. it animated. Yeah, I I would love to see that there, Kevin Rubio. I'm just throwing out that that shout out to you. I think it's fun. They could even animate it. Though. I mean, it doesn't have to be classic animation. It'd be done exactly the same way that they're doing Rebels and uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Clone no, Wars. no, no. I, yeah. I'm sure they would. Yeah. It, it was, it's just, but they've and they've already proved that there's. I can't remember what they're calling them, but what they called them, but they but they did a Lego series, telling Star Wars from C3PO's point of view, narrating it. Hilarious, absolutely yeah. hilarious. Um, you know, so I'd like to see Rose Tico because it's moving it forward. The Mandalorian's telling me a corner. That I didn't know what it what it was. It's a new story, and that there's also a, there, and, I, and you know we probably already spoiled too much there in Rise of Skywalker, but there are other series that could come out of it that are again it's moving it forward. There are threads mm-hmm. that could be picked up as a series, perhaps, and I think this is the future of the narrative. I'm not interested anymore in, in any more movies. Now I think I maybe on the last podcast mentioned you know right before the lights went down my. Beloved fiancé turned to me and said, welcome to the end of your childhood. And I said, and instantly said, no, it's not. My childhood did actually end. I understand that. This is my fifth. But um, but the difference was, as you may know, my, you know, my fiancé is younger. And so Harry Potter was that way. Uh-huh. You know, when you got to the end of those movies, that it was like, there was a whole generation that really did grow up with Harry Potter 
as books, and then the movies came out shortly right. thereafter, and that really did feel like it. And I thought of, and it was instant. It was probably the fastest I've ever thought about some reflection like this is when I saw what became A New Hope, and I just had this conversation with Paul Cunha at Seven Stars Bar and Grill <laughs> on Bascom Avenue in San Jose. When, San Jose's preeminent Star Wars bar. San Jose's only Star Wars bar, but it is preeminent because it's also a damn good bar. I had a linguisa corn dog this week, I've, <laughs> and I don't regret it. Anyway, it, it, it is that when we saw Star Wars, we didn't know there'd be anything else. Right, right. And so it was like, that's awesome. And then we got Splinter in the Mind's Eye as a novel. Fantastic. And we had Star Wars comics. Wow. And eventually, after Christmas, we got action figures. Cool. <laughs> and then my parents are going, you're too old for these things. And we got a Mad Magazine parody. My children will never get a Rise of Skywalker Mad Magazine parody. Thanks, Warner. Um, anyway. The latest issue is doing new stuff again. So they claim. And they've asked me to renew my subscription, but they won't commit to being new stuff. And oh, okay. no, they're not doing parodies anymore. Oh, okay. They're doing new, new material, but Tom Richmond said, no, they're not doing parodies. Oh, okay. Or as they called them, satires, but they were wrong. They're parodies. Anyway, so I wasn't promised that. you know. And then we got Empire Strikes Back, and it's like, okay, that's going to finish up. You get Return of the Jedi. And then Lucas said he wasn't going to do anything more. Right. So I don't have that sense of loss. The fact that Disney came back and said, yeah, we're doing The Force Awakens, and it was cool. And I was really glad to sit there with my son. But I've already, I've already distanced myself from those things. You know, as well, you far had as closure. Much, You've had closure, I, I already a had times. my closure. Yeah. I, you know, you can't keep opening the wound and saying, "Here you go, this will be fun." Well, you can, but then I, but then I, you know, right. it's like when people right. hate Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. I go, or was it called Crystal? Oh, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I don't remember. Yeah. The point is, when people slagged on that, I'm like. I never held them in regard because Raiders of the Lost Ark is the only one of those movies that I think is perfect. You know, it, it's the others are fun, and that's yeah. it. Yeah, and Star Wars. Well, it's perfect because it's the same way that the the original Star Wars was. It's a story that starts already running, and at the end, you can believe that he's going to run on further. You know, where like, I do have to say, I think at this point, I can say that the first. The first line of the crawl in the Rise of Skywalker, I almost fell out of my seat laughing because it was so perfect and reminded me all this happened because King Features wouldn't let George Lucas make Flash Gordon. Right. So that when that episode nine comes up with the the dead speak, the dead speak. Oh, yes. yes. In all caps with an exclamation point. I'm like, that is so 1937. Anyway, uh, I know we've blurred over into back into movies from TV. My point is that I think Disney Plus and television is where Star Wars is going to be. That is all that interests me. And so uh, I'm I'm all for Rose Tico. Doctor Who returned last night. Speaking of television, something I don't need in film. Although, see, the thing is now, I am at the point of like, I would like, like, you're going to the Fathom event on Sunday. Right. With it, showing an episode that showed on New Year's Day and, and then part two which is also going to be broadcast Sunday night. And I went to the 50th anniversary at Fathom and I'm like, you know what? I would have totally paid. I would gladly pay money for a big budget doctor who film. Oh yeah. Not starring Peter Cushing. Cause I know how those go. I love those movies. That's beside the point. That's not what I want. Not I want to do anything. No, including I know each other. 
Now, you know, uh, who, uh, Davis, Russell and Davis, I think, uh, actually t- did tie them together. Okay. Did that, uh, that the doctor is a big fan and he, and, and, and in the novel Rose, I think it's in the novel Rose, uh, or maybe it was Stephen Moffat that did it. Somebody can tell me who's been reading those, those novel novelizations of the episodes said that basically, uh, the doctor knew Peter Cushing. He was his favorite actor and gave him clothes from the TARDIS to wear. Oh, okay. In those, so those movies exist but in the, movies. in the, as movies in the universe of Doctor Sure, sure, sure. So I think that's funny. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you have not watched that episode yet, no. uh, Spyfall, but it is, it is fun. And I, so I, now that I realize that you haven't watched it, I can't say anything more about it because the twists and turns. Sorry. But it's an episode that it, that even Sal Pizarro will love because it's so clearly the name sounds like Skyfall. It's, it's clearly about it's doing their bond safe, riff. Yeah. And it's great. It's yeah. great. So it's fun. Yeah. So let's uh, let's wrap it up and say thank you for listening. This is uh if you've got any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write into right editor to at fan, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode. And I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use, use your powers for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.